beautiful people and welcome back to another episode of Artistic State of Mind. And can I mention it's the last one? Yeah. As you said, I'm literally a, 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 jumping a, a, off the back. Another one. <laughs> I said another one and but, also adding yeah. the last one. Mm, emotions. And we're back. Producer man, you got tissues out of here, car. It's gonna get emotional soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's not that deep, but you know. Nah. I literally gave Brent a hug. I was like, it's the final one. Nah, I'm a very emotional guy in it. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm excited, but you know. The tears will come out soon. Here we are. Trust me. How's your week been? My week's been decent, you know. Cool. Well, well, we say a week. It's been three weeks since the last episode, I swear. That's true. Three so weeks. It's been it's been a long time. It has. And, but, we didn't, and we didn't even let them know that we were coming back in two weeks' time. We're just kind of like Yeah, that's true. Just wait for the last episode. Boy, it's it's coming. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh no, no, no. My, my, my three weeks have been alright. My three weeks have been right. The best thing I've done, I think, in those three weeks is uh so I mentioned before on the show that I was working on uh, Afrotech Fest. Yes. So uh is the first um technology festival in the UK run for and by uh black british people so it was in the second year um at rich mix uh over three days and i'm not gonna lie to you it was a very tiring three days because i was working that weekend in the nine to five as well wow but it's like the most rewarding work i have done like over a course of a weekend in a long time very long time it was so inspiring um hearing some of the cool things that black people are doing with tech um one i think I think one of the things that sticks in my mind so much is um, some of the ways in which AI is designed without black people in mind. That's some of the negative stuff. Um, so things like, I've, I've everyone seen that video of like the guy trying to get, um, you know, the soap dispenser. A black guy's trying to put his hand yeah, in the soap yeah, dispenser yeah. and now yeah. come out. But there's more serious stuff like that. Like, um, you know, the driverless cars. Mm-hmm. not stopping when they see black people because obviously well, they have a, well, yeah well, because minute. obviously the people that programmed them they didn't think oh yeah hold on a minute there's um there's black people in the world <laughs> and they might be walking on pavements are you being serious swear down oh my god <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. so there's some stuff that was a bit shitty like just let, let let everybody there know why we need more black people in the space but those stuff that was less shitty um the best one i saw was this app called so you know these like um invest your change type of apps that are coming out a lot like if you spend say two pounds seventy five on, you get some kind coffee. of reward. No, 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 no. So oh. the seventy five p gets like put into a uh, a pot and gets invested in all different type of companies. Yeah. Okay. So it basically invests your spare change. So you spent you you bought something worth two pounds seventy five, but you spend three pound, and usually it's that that extra money goes into like an investment fund, so you grow oh, your money, yes, etc. So that course. same model they built that, but here's the, here's the catch that money was going to a fund for bail for black people in the United States. So obviously a lot of black people get done for non-violent crime and the bail gets set at something ridiculous so mm-hmm. they can never get out and they won't go to trial for another two, three years. So this app was uh, and is, it's not was, is f- um, raising money for black, black people who are um, imprisoned. And yeah, it's, I think it's freed like over a hundred something, probably more. Wow, uh, yeah, amazing. I forget, but yeah, it was it was super dope. Other than that, I hate just living life, innit? Do you know what I mean? Nice, nice, yeah. nice. In England, unlike other people. Yeah, and yeah. I've got the t-shirt for it. Yeah, oh. you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you actually get that there? Or no, I got just... it here. And I was mm. supposed to wear it out there, but I actually <laughs> didn't wear it out. It's a bit corn still. I know, but you know, it was one of those. You know, so how I was didn't... it? I saw your, your socials. 
Yeah, that's only when I post, when I'm actually doing when you're, something. When you're on, when you're on when holiday. When it looks like I'm doing something really fun and like I'm sociable, that's when I post on the Instagram. Yeah, no, so I went to Paris for a few days while well, a long weekend. Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. I went to see, I saw loads of art. Mm-hmm. I'm beginning to love art. Like what painting. do you mean beginning? Well, I love art, like obviously yeah, like yeah, yeah, theatre yeah, yeah. and stuff. But I mean like art, like in painting, yeah. sculptures and all of that stuff. You went to the Louvre, innit? I went to the Louvre. Yeah, yeah, a lot that, of people just only take Go pictures outside. Oh, oh, is it? No. Some yeah. people don't even step in. No, people don't step in. Step you know in. you have to pay to get in. A is lot, it? Yeah. Bro. Yeah. A lot of people How much? are just like... How much was it? 15 euros. Pardon? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Excuse me. You have to laugh. Yeah, but that's like £12.50. Yeah. Do you know how much it is to get into like every single art gallery in London? How much is it? Zero. That's how I know you now about that life. It's literally free. Well, no, like, it depends if there's exhibitions. Exhibitions, no, no, you do yeah, have to, pay. to get into a specific exhibition, but to yeah. get into the space itself, it's like like they're all free. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I don't know yeah, about but, this paying for museum. Yeah, to be but, fair, I did that in Berlin, and it was a bit like rah. I'm paying to go museum. It's a bit mad. Yeah, I guess I guess the facilities here is different to the one in Paris. Well, know? maybe we should, you know, appreciate what we got sometimes. Yeah, exactly. We love no, knowing about I, this country, but but okay. I literally like was 15 amazed. Pounds museum. Well, fifteen euros. Twelve pound fifty, you know. Twelve pound fifty by the old. Technically, rates. that's like a lunch meal for some people. Who's having lunch for twelve pound fifty? You what? will be surprised. Who? Where? Yeah. In Paris or in London? No, in London. Who's having? Oh, don't know. Well, me. not me. Well, it depends if you go to places in Soho, you know. That's a treat anyway, yourself Friday. You anyway. might get, you know, some lunch. And no one's like, having twelve pound fifty lunch, do you? In it, yeah. that's that's boy, that's not me, mate. But yeah, no, I had a lovely time. Not about it. Um, what else did I? I went all the way to the top at the Eiffel Tower. Okay, right to the top, and it rained hailstones, so wow. didn't stay up there for very long. And um, what else did I do? I went on the riverboat. I saw the Notre Dame. Was this before or after the fire? This is after the fire. Okay. And what's quite interesting is that I don't know why people would take pictures of a kind of like semi-burnt building. So people were just like taking pictures. I was like, why? Like, really? I guess it's a moment in history, isn't it? But then again, I also took a picture. (laughs) So hold on. So (laughs) you're cussing around. No, I just took a picture as evidence. That's a bit. Okay. So everyone else took a picture as evidence. (laughs) So there's the answer to your question. No, some people were taking pictures like selfies. Like, yeah. Yeah, So that they were like in a moment in history, now. Yeah, well, I didn't take a selfie. I just took a picture. You think that's weird? I'll, I'll tell you a weird thing about taking pictures on holidays. So... I went to New York with my sister a few years ago and you know, they've, they've got like a, a memorial for 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, the way they've done it is like very, it's apt. It's very poignant. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you feel it. And then people were taking like pictures, bare smiling there and that. And yeah, I was thinking, I that's weird. okay, they must be tourists, but it's a bit, they were not tourists. This is American people. Oh. Taking picture best smiling at the 9 11 more. I was a bit like, hmm. Well, well let's not discuss American people. This we is, know what they're yeah, like. It was a bit, <laughs> hmm. I thought it was weird because me and myself, we, we like took pictures of the thing, but we didn't take pictures of like ourselves on the thing because it just felt like it's not the type yeah, of place type where of you place, do that yeah. thing. But nah. So yeah, people are weird, man. But yeah, no. People are very, very weird creatures. Paris was really cool. I went to the Louis Vuitton Foundation. What's that? It, it's like, it's like a museum. For Louis Vuitton? It's no, it doesn't have anything to do with Louis. Well, I think it's something that he, he has don't yeah, funded, okay, donated see, to, see, but see. it's it's got loads of different art and stuff. And I got to see art by what's his face? 
Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Vincent yes. Van Gogh. Yeah. Van Gogh. Um, you sell it. And there was another guy. Monet. 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 Yeah. Yep. You know me. I butcher names, so I don't want to do that, especially with French names. Um, and then Van Gogh's Dutch bars. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I also wanted to go to the work. Oh, what is it called? The workshop of lights. Oops. So it's like I've never this, been in Paris. Isn't it's it? so like I can't this say exhibition where. Um, everything is all kind of done on screen, not screen, it's all visual. So all the art is literally blown up into bigger kind of like screen. Okay, but it's I all on the wall. I, I kind of get that. Yeah. It's like projected on the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've been to museum, So I really, I really wanted yeah. to go there and I stupidly went, went all the way there, took the metro and they were like, tickets are sold out. I was like, what the fuck? So boy, I tried to go online boy, and they were boy, like, boy, tickets boy. are sold out till the 3rd of May. I was boy. like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to this. Yeah, well, listen, learn, innit? But apart from that, yeah. Good trip. Good trip, yeah. Good. Cool. Good, good, good. So, so the sharp id of, of you guys, that's what you're saying, it. Huh? The sharp ear of you guys that have heard uh, some additional voices. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so some people laughing are, at the fact that yeah. I took pictures. <laughs> Sorry, to be fair, it was worth laughing at. It was very it's much true. worth laughing at. <laughs> so we are joined by a couple of guests today. We are joined by writer Daniel Anderson and director Jay Crutchley. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. Jay Crutchley, who will be talking to us about uh, a, a, a theatrical production. Uh, do you called, guys want to introduce? Called revealed. Revealed. Yes. 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 Yep. Great reveal there. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you did. <laughs> Come on. Do you guys want to uh, introduce yourselves? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My name is Jay. Yeah. From Brum. Brum representing. Yes. Very, very. Down right. South in the Smoke. Um, yeah. I'm a director, theatre maker. Been working with Daniel on this uh, project revealed. And we've just, we've just finished uh, the, the first initial run of it, essentially. Um, so yeah, it's about, hopefully it's going on tour soon which is pretty mm. sick yeah man uh, greetings people I'm Daniel Anderson I'm a writer and an actor wrote Revealed and yeah as Jay said we put it on two weeks ago and um, as part of a research and development from the Arts Council supported us to do it and it was amazing man so we're just here down south just looking to reason with you guys and just talk about <laughs> why the arts are important mm. in terms yeah. of social mm. issues yeah yeah you've come that, to the right place that's trust what we're me, about man, man. That's what trust we're about. me trust me so yeah we'll be speaking more uh, to Jay and Daniel Daniel I was going to say Jay and Anderson <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Anderson funny Anderson, enough I do yeah, know an Anderson it's a Matrix reference someone who's called Anderson yeah I know that an Anderson name. yep that's very what, Anderson Pack. No, <laughs> different Anderson, but you know. Okay, seen. Um, we got a lot to get through this show, a lot. so we're better kicking like we got pure time. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do start. It's been a bit of a theme of this series, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, this man. season, so we do start again on a poignant note, on a sad note. Um, so this week on the 29th of April, um, it was announced that director John Singleton passed away. Uh, Singleton was the director of many films, including his director de- debut, Boys in the Hood, which came out in 1991 and earned him a nomination for Best Director at the tender age of 24, which is ridiculous. I turned, oh, something I didn't mention, I turned 28 since the last show. Whoop, whoop. So Happy think, belated thank birthday. You, thank Happy you. Birthday. So to think 24 to get a nomination of Best Director. It's crazy. He was the first African-American and to this day, he's still the youngest person to be nominated for that award. Some of his other works include Poetic Justice, Higher Learning, the 2000 cinematic version of Shaft, Baby Boy, and Too Fast, Too Furious. 
Uh, Singleton regularly collaborated with some of the biggest names in black cinema, such as Oscar winner uh, Regina King. We're going to talk about more later on the show. Taraji P. Henson, Ice Cube, Lawrence Fishburne, Tyrese, and many more. Uh, he also directed Michael Jackson's Remember the Time video. Um, we spoke about Michael Jackson's show and whatever you think of him, um, that video is definitely a legendary piece of work and a celebration of blackness. Um, I feel it's easy to remember, it's, it's important to remember someone like Singleton because um, we live in a time where we've got a lot of black directors compared to in the past, like Ava DuVernay, Amasante, David McQueen, Ryan Coogler, John Peel, names that just slip off the tongue. Their films are seemingly out every year. But we need to remember that it was the work of people like Singleton uh, 20, 25 years ago that laid out the platform for these filmmakers we love today. So yeah, I think the only thing I want to say is long live his legacy, long live his music uh, videos, his movies, and may his soul rest in peace. Yeah, man. Sad news. Very sad news. I don't news. like when I hear people pass away. Yeah. And especially at such a young age Yeah, as well. 51 is no age to go. Yeah. Uh, suffered a stroke and his family had to make the heartbreaking decision to turn off the life support. So yeah, yeah it's... Um, That's a tough thing. It's no way to go, to be honest. It's I not no age to go. believe that they recently, they released the new um, trailer for Snowfall, which is... Um, is he the director for that? I think he was one of the creators, wasn't he? Creators, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know Snowfall? No. Oh, it's sick, big. Oh, it's, the, it's basically a TV series about... Follows a young boy who... Drugs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's about the rise of crack cocaine. Oh, see, yeah. okay, and how okay. Compton turned from being, uh, I suppose, a residential area yeah. into, I suppose, how we now know it in pop culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. It was like um, a white suburb. Mm. George yeah. Bush lived in Compton for a bit, but not the Compton that we know. Like mm. what Compton was before. Yeah. So. so. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's about the, how it changed oh, from that to his that, name. Yeah. The English is English actor. Um, yeah. Damson, Damson Idris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. So he's the main guy. Okay. You know? Well, there you go. The legacy still lives on. So. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, couple, couple big. Uh, well, one huge film came out. Oh, it's time. So hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Yeah. They have. Oh, yeah. sing, 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 yeah, sing, yeah, sing, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm gonna just go through the room and yeah. I must say, because this is what I've been asking everyone. Okay. Out of 10. Boom. Out of 10. Out of 10. Um, I'd say, pers- as a co- personally connecting to it, 10. 10. As a film, maybe like seven. Seven as a film. Okay, boom. Okay. We're talking That end- was Jay. That was Jay. We're talking Endgame 9. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's to make sure I'm on board. Boy. It brought tears to my eyes still. So. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go To be fair, there was one, some bits of that almost got me. Mm. Happy tears I had as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing a nine, you know. Nine, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight nine. Oh, this is hard because I feel like I have to see it again. Well, you've seen it one time, so... Yeah, one time it? is never enough. Okay, make, well, especially you, have to, you have to make a decision on a one film time. like that. I'm going to have to agree with Jay. On a seven as a film? Yeah. Okay. Thinking about it mm. and just... The, there's quite a few yeah. plot Flaws? holes, plot holes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where you kind of sit back, even mm. though you're like mesmerized by everything that's kind of taking place in those three hours, mm. you kind of sit back and like, hold on, wait a minute. Mm. But yeah, seven. But overall, the, the the bigness and the amazingness and kind of following the journey of like Marvel and Avengers is definitely a 10. I'm going to say, I'm going to say eight. Okay. Yeah. Just a solid eight. A solid eight. Yeah, a solid eight. There was definitely... Um, 
the way they did it, it opened it, it, it opens itself up to plot holes and like criticism. Yeah. yeah. I think some plot holes though, some people think are plot holes, but were actually explained in the film. Mm. Um so when you start messing with time, innit? As soon as you bring, yeah, time, as soon into- as you bring time travel into the thing, mm. people start asking questions Science. and like, yeah. <laughs> and also the whole time travel thing as well. Cause they had to obviously write themselves out of a hole from Infinity War. Mm. Like, mm. how do you go back? And reverse everything yeah. that you've seen with the audience and not make them feel like, okay, so boom, I wasted time seeing Infinity War. And I didn't know what they were going to do. I didn't even want to think about it. And when it was time travel, my my instinct in my heart was, come on, lie, man. Time travel is how you do it. Yeah. But, you know, they did it well. They tried to sidestep the time travel. It wasn't like blatant time travel. It was yeah. like, we're going to do a time travel thing, but actually it's a bit different. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, quantum yeah. physics yeah, yeah, yeah. nonsense yeah. trying to play it out like it's not really time travel. And then they mentioned other time travel yeah. films to be like, nah, we're, we're not, not, yeah. we're not yeah. doing it's, it's it like this. That, that, that was stupid, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, hold on, so, so people saying they almost cried because I'll, I'll say the bits that almost made me cry. Okay. Yeah. When Spider-Man comes back, Bro, yes! listen, yes! And, he, and, and, and Tony Stark just hugs him. Ah, that was deep still. That, that got me, man. Yes. That was uh, that was that was happy tears. That was the only only part that got me. But <laughs> when Tony Stark is dying, yeah, I didn't oh, care. Oh nah, you didn't care, do you? Say? No, you didn't care. I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Even when Spider Man come up to him, the Spider Man and the Tony Stark moment really got me because but obviously those two, their relationship. So obviously, when he comes back, and yeah. then when he's dying. And he goes like he's bare sad because Tony Stark comes up to him. Look, yeah, yeah, oh, that Spider Man goes up to Tony Stark. Yeah, that like, bit. But when he actually dies, I didn't really care. What? Wow. Why, like, why is that? Do you know what? I'm not gonna lie. Iron Man was never really my favorite character. He's a bit. He's meant to be a bit of a douche, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. and like, to be honest, he does epitomize him metaphorically he's a lot in it. So. Yeah, and I just I. Iron Man wasn't the first kind of like Marvel kind of films that I watched. Mm, mm. I wasn't really into it. I, I and to be honest, I don't really like Robert Downey Jr. Neither. So, oh, so it's a personal thing. Then, yeah. yeah, it's a personal. Thing. And when he kind of like, I was just like, I did find that why out of all of them, mm. Tony would be the one that would save the day. I didn't quite like. I know. Is it in the comics? I'm trying to remember if my my brother mentioned who is meant to save the day. I don't comics. know. I'm not. I'm not deep. I'm into not really it. a I'm comic. Not, I'm not that deep. Yeah, I'm yeah. not that deep. I just watch the films there. I think. <laughs> I think somebody. I don't think it's Tony in the comics. Actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's somebody else. But it what? meant that I think there was a momento, uh, monumental reason why Tony, because obviously he was the first kind of like Marvel films, okay. Iron Man, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah. the first to start he off this the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So it makes it, it made sense for him, I guess, to. Do the you know what? The it wasn't even when he actually died that brought it to his eyes. It was the um, the funeral after when everyone was together, and that's what got okay. me. You know, what I'm trying to say when he died, yeah, fair enough, it was sad. But when mm. you saw everyone there, like Black Panther was there, mm. you know what I mean? You had Iron, I mean, you had um, Spider Man there. I was mm. like, you know what? That's a universal thing when you're at a funeral. It's like it's. That's what got me in it. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Do you know what got me? It was when all the characters started coming back. You know that moment when they're just like pop, pop, pop. And it was so like, what was the reaction in. in the in in the cinema that you were in when you saw it? When the characters all started it was coming like, back? I went on nine a.m. showing first day, so wow. it was like oh, yeah, yeah, I was intense, eager. Bro. I was eager, man. Yeah, intense, I'm looking my t-shirt, man. I'm eager. <laughs> I had people flipping, clapping, bro. Yeah, man. Mm. Clapping. Do you know what bit where people got really gassed when Captain America got the hammer? 
Even yeah, I, yeah, even, yeah, even yeah, I was yeah. a bit gassed. I'm not gonna lie. For a second, I was like, "But how though?" Because then he's worthy. I, because yeah, he's worthy. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone this, keeps this saying that it's because he's, he's worthy. worthy. Yeah. Yes. Very simple. I get it. Very simple. <laughs> All right then. For, but for a split second, I was like, I looked at my friend. I was like, "Hold on, wait a minute. How's this happening?" Nah, then man's worthy. And then I remembered from. What was it Where he was trying to Where loads of, loads of them tried Loads to of them were trying pull, to pick it up And then he up. moved it a little, a little bit, bit And yeah. Thor was, was like, like oh, yeah. Nah like, mate Oh yeah of course Yeah exactly sense. So it was always going to be It was always going to be Captain Do you know what bit was real 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 deep When Captain America Was giving the team talk mm. Yo I yeah, went Listen to. I was going to jump in there And be like Cap, <laughs> Let's do this thing bro <laughs> Let's do it that, went in. that was That was That was uh, A team talk that me, I would have died for Captain America in that mm. moment right there. You know what character I loved in it as well? Hulk. And I think... What, with his weird hybrid? Yeah, but <laughs> hybrid Hulk. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo's like, a great The best yeah, Hulk. But I just love the nuances they brought to the Hulk, man. Mm. And as in terms of Thanos now, in terms of a, a criminal, like um, a villain. A, a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Bro. Thanos had some quotables in that film. Smash I'm not going to lie. The moment where he sits down and he's mm. waiting, he's like, bring the stones to me. Man, mm. just chill. Put the, the thing down. Deep. He's like, I'm just going to wait. And then even when he knew that it was over, over for him, the way he just put his hand on his chin, like, mm. rah. Well, that's his thing. Like he goes, finished. I'm inevitable. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah, just like, I was just like, rah. I know I want to hate you, but I also kind of like the he fact was a that three dimensional villain. Yeah, yeah. Good, good villains have good villain. have questionable politics in it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. this the sense to his. Uh, Although I don't, yeah. I I personally don't believe in overpopulation, so I never thought. Oh no, no, I don't that. don't agree with him. Yeah. But it's, it's it's based in logic. It's kind of like yeah. it's like Killmonger. It's based in a. It comes yeah. from a place yeah, of yeah, either yeah, hurt yeah. or anger. Supposed logic. Anyway, yeah. supposed. Yeah. No. But go on. You want to chat about Game of Thrones? Let me tell you right now. I don't even watch it, but I know Arya torn up, torn up the scene. Do you know? I'm not gonna but, lie. Do you not watch Game of Thrones? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah Starks yeah, yeah. are doing some things this mm-hmm. week. You know? Wow. Yeah. So let me just put the mic away. So you. So basically, <laughs> I I decided because I remember I, I I can't remember who I was saying this to. I wanted to binge watch season eight and wait for it to all finish. Warrior man. But the thing is, I started muting words on Twitter, on Instagram. It just didn't work. Somehow, the words of Game of Thrones were just filtering in. I was like, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is not going to last very long. So I was like, I'm going to catch up. And episode three um, dropped and I was in Paris. So 7 a.m. I was like, I'm not going on social media because I have a feeling someone's going to spoil this madness for me. Mm -hmm. So I literally woke up seven o'clock. Connected my blue, um, what is it? My personal hotspot because I was like, yeah, nothing's gonna happen. And can I just say, hmm, Jon Snow and Khaleesi, mm-hmm. I'm fucking disappointed. I am absolutely Why? disappointed. They are just both useless. <laughs> In that episode, they were fucking useless. Like, literally, I literally said to someone, I was just like, they were literally doing a world tour around Winterfell <laughs> with the fucking dragons. Like, I mean, you first, say that, yeah, I've, yeah, the up and down in the sky. Like, and the first 45 minutes, fun. you were literally just chilling up in the sky. True, true. Yeah, 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 I get it. There was some, you know, some issues with trying to see down there, but I was just like, <laughs> really? And you, call, isn't it? and you call yourself the, the leaders or potentially the leaders, but yeah, no. But anyway, guys, give me your opinions. What do you think? Me, I'm I'm a straight up Game of Thrones fanboy hard. So I I liked it, man. There's um there's just a lot in it. I've got questions, theories. Like I think Littlefinger might still be alive. 
You know, um, there's a there's a clip and he gives a little coin to someone in the episode before he gets killed. And like, you know, the Bravosi coins. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he gives a coin to the woman and she's like, oh, it's, it's, uh, your time is done. And then a couple of episodes later is when he gets his, when I gives him the, the slip. Yeah. So I reckon he might be still still lurking. Yeah. <laughs> little finger. See that battle? Yeah. Serious. Yes. Mm. And the way they shot it as well, it was very dark. Like you had to like really focus in on the battle, and it went on for how long? Like it was, it was for the majority of the, yeah, of the episode. For the majority of the episode. But the way those White Walkers were going on, I was gripped. Me and my wife were just gripped to the TV, man. But when the that moment happened, Ooh. Arya did the thing. I was a chuck for the whole episode, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, I me- had to watch it twice because the first time was just emotions of just like, oh, who's going to die? Who's going to die? Who's going to die? Who's going to survive? <laughs> and my heart was like 100 miles an hour. And then, yeah, man, when she jumps up and it's a little pop, it was like, yes, yes. Literally standing up in my yard, like, yes, mm. come on. I literally was like, I messaged my brother. I was like, yeah, nothing is happening. What the fuck is going on? Like, mm. it just seems dead. And he was like, wait. I was like, wait for what? <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden she popped in the sky. I was like, oh! mm-hmm. and then when the Night King held her by the throat, I was like, oh! and then the knife was like, oh! literally, just so many yeah. layers. I was but like, what the fuck? What about um, Leanna Mormont, man? The little girl, the young girl, man. <gasps> yeah. That broke my heart, that dude. I'm not going to lie. I se- I literally said that this is the episode where the women were doing things mm. for yeah, Khaleesi and yeah. Stanza, whatever. Um, yeah, the little girl, Brianna. Oh, yeah, Brienne. She yeah, was yeah. going on hard in that fight. Hard. Yeah, man. Slaying people. I, was I, like, thought, I thought she was a gunner, you know, you know, that first scene and you see her on the floor and she's screaming. She's got yeah. all the things on her. Yeah. I thought she was gone. Yeah. And I was like, no, please, come on. So yeah. who were you upset that died? Uh, Liana. All the others. Yeah. I, I can take the, and Ed, you know, Ed. Um, John but, Snow's bridging, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the longest time, I was like, mm. who is Ed? Then I remembered yeah, yeah. it was but He's Ed. been in it from day one. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, ah. Oh. Like the big guy, isn't it? Not, no, no, no. He's, um, you know, the Night's Watch people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, okay. there was him, yes, another yes, one, yes, yeah, 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 and yeah. Sam. And when they were all inside yeah. and yeah, he yeah, kind yeah. of sacrificed himself. What's everyone's thoughts about Sam and him Sam. being a pussy? <laughs> <laughs> Sam is, you know, it is him. But that's, that's him. <laughs> that's not him. everyone can do everything. Yeah, he's, me? Like, fire, he's, he's isn't clever. It? He's smart. Isn't yeah. He's, he's a, favorite. He's a the whole thing was like, oh, no, man. He's a liability. He got the X-Man killed because of that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I can't wait for the next episode because this is where the real battle. Loads of people were quite upset at the fact that it didn't last that long. It literally mm. was just the one episode and the Night King was dead. But I was just like, let's be honest, it wasn't really about the Night King. No. The Night King was only a thing. Yeah, there was whispers and talks about him, mm. but he wasn't necessarily the battle. The battle is to get to King's Landing yeah, and yeah. become the person that is on the throne. Mm. So who are they after? Cersei. Simple. Yeah, man. She, you know what I'm she saying? goes in, she does as well. She got some people backing her, them demons that <laughs> just, look, just... don't want them, you know. Serious. I'm not going to lie. She was probably looking like, oh, look at all these people there. I'm just literally yeah, yeah. just doing mm-hmm. their thing. I'm just going to sit up here in King's Landing, just chill. Yeah. Just evil, man. Yeah. She plays it well, evil. though, man. She so who, awesome. what do we reckon is going to happen? Is she going to die? Is she going to, what do we reckon? I reckon Jamie. Jamie's going to kill her. I reckon, because you know he's the Kingslayer. Yeah. He's going to become the Queenslayer, isn't it? Like, so you reckon Jamie? Yeah, man. I reckon she's going to be, they're going to be ransacking the throne room or something and she's going to be like, because they've got all the wildfire in it underneath mm-hmm. the city. So I reckon it's going to be like, she's going to want to burn down the city like the Mad King. Mm-hmm. Then Jamie's going to be like, not again. I'll just okay. stab in motion for all those. <laughs> Daniel, what do you think? 
I don't know. She has to die. She's too <laughs> evil and wicked to like to live, man. But yeah. who's gonna do it? I'm not sure, man. But yeah, for what Jay's saying, for Jamie to do that before what's going on with that nastiness that they got going on, then why maybe it has to be because <laughs> that's disgusting. Interesting. I don't I don't know if I agree. <laughs> Who what do you reckon then? Who do you what's it won't be Aria because obviously she's done mm. her bit. I think it's gonna be Stan. Is it Stanza? Sansa, Sansa. Sansa. Mm. It'd be nice. I think she deserves it. I think. Yeah. She? At least do something before you yeah, know. Yeah. You did barely anything. She got given the knife as well in the last episode. Yeah. And like the sticking with the pointy end. Yeah. So it's gonna. So it might be her. A little premonition. Either Jamie or her. Mm. I, I kind of want it to be Jeremy. I think it'd be poetic if he does it. True. Because the only person that loved her and mm. her brother and whatever, whatever. It's a nastiness, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're not happy about that, are you? <laughs> I just disturbed me, you know. Yeah, I don't care. Do you know man. who I cannot stand? <laughs> <That> look, <bro. laughs> Who I can't stand is, um, what's his name? The boy in the wheelchair. Oh, Bran. Oh, I can't stand him. What? Why? I'm not going to lie. I can't stand him. <laughs> Man's done some philosophical doneness. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not no philosophical. <laughs> can't, the words ain't even coming out. It's not. Man just literally just sits there like. The man is history though, man. He's yeah, like, uh, man's just, nah. it's just history. I was at some point I was just like Okay don't get to him Night King don't get to him But I was just like Do you know If you're gonna go You're gonna yeah. go in it <laughs> But I'm not gonna lie I saw something on YouTube That could potentially Be a massive spoiler I'm not gonna say anything But if it's true It's deep Concerning Thanks, my man really? You're concerning my oh, man Oh is he gonna die? I, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna say anything man But Okay if he dies Then I'm okay with that <laughs> You know what I mean mm-hmm. I just don't have no problem with that But you know Yeah man What really really I really know, you don't Really know, got bro. to me Was Theon Oh yeah, but in the yeah. in the sad way, or were you like sad for him? In going, sad, I was sad you... for him. Okay, because of thinking about his journey, even though he did a bit of a madness at obviously at throughout the, the season. It's a but... great character arc. Though. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like he had his redemption, but then at the same time, I was like, oh, for some reason, I was just like, imagine he potentially becomes the king and he slays all. The... He did slay a lot of white. Yeah, he went in. He went in. He did the thing, you know. But yeah, I feel like we're boring. So yeah, <laughs> before this becomes our <laughs> <out, laughs> state of thrones, <laughs> I think we got. Uh, we haven't even finished uh, film and TV. So do you wanna? Yeah. Do you wanna do a bust through that? Quick? And on that note, mm. you know, oh, we can't even come back for a next episode. Damn it! Oh, because oh, there's obviously two two more episodes. Three, mm-hmm. three more episodes. Oh well, Juliana. I might as well. I'll, I'll do a think piece. Later. Juliana. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so in other news, mm. um, so Regina King has signed a mega deal with Netflix, um, which will be producing films and a se- and series for which we she bleh, which she will be producing films and series for obviously the streaming giant. So she signed her first look deal with Netflix, um, and basically she's going to be doing. Um, producing films under her streaming, under her production company, which is called Royal Ties Production Company. And her sister will be serving as the head of production. Um, so I'm looking forward to potentially what she will be doing and what kind of stuff she will be doing. And also it was announced that the Obamas have also inked a deal with Netflix as well. Yes, that is very, very true. They inked a deal so, and uh, yeah. the... F- First seven uh, pieces of work that they're doing with Netflix have come out. So um, Mr. Obama said that they don't want to just entertain, they want to educate as well. Mm-hmm. So it uh, includes a film about the slavery abolished, 
abolitionist, uh, Frederick Douglass. Um, and let me just go through a quick, uh, quick thing of some of the things they are trying to make. So uh, American Factory, which is a documentary about Stephen Bogner and Olivia Reichardt, which uh, is about tensions. Julia, huh? Julia Reichardt. Oh, where did I get Olivia from? <laughs> Boy, let me... <laughs> Uh, which addresses um, tension over automation in Ohio. They have got a, f- um, a documentary called Crip Camp, uh, which is about the origins of the disability rights movement. When I saw it, I thought it was about gang life. I'm not going to lie to you. So, <laughs> boy. Um, overlooked obituaries, which I think is super interesting. Uh, an ad- adaptation of the New York Times series about people whose deaths were, ori- were originally not reported. Um, listen to your vegetables and eat your parents. A uh, half-hour series about exploring food that's made for children. Um, uh, Bloom, which is based on post-World War II New York. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's an interesting slate that they've uh, put out there. Yeah. Like I, like like they said, they've got a... a not a remake, I guess a remake they've put on themselves, not just to, ed- uh, to educate, but to entertain. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what they do with their platform. Yeah, I'm um, interested to see what... Uh, just- uh, we like we always do every episode. We always seem to, you know, talk about Netflix. I'm, oh yeah, Netflix. Honestly, uh, Netflix. Where are coins? Like mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. Every yes. single episode. But it's really interesting to see, kind of like you know, that the work that they're reaching out to and want to potentially make, and them allowing these people to produce and make you know stuff like this. You know, so I'm looking forward to what. We could potentially see Yeah I mean I always say Netflix uh, Take risks Partially because they have to To fill out the amount of content That they need mm-hmm. To keep people um, On their On their platform Especially in a world Where people are like Cutting the cord And not going to like Cable and satellite TV mm-hmm. To To justify paying that With Disney removing their content I think people are Gonna have to make That decision So why do I keep Netflix If all the stuff that I want has moved over to a different platform. So I really think that they're trying to go in and go hard. Yeah, a former president and first lady as well, signing a deal. Usually, former presidents and first ladies go and do some quote-unquote charity stuff or they jump on the speaking tour. That's the general consensus has been for a long time. But let's be honest, they were, they're your likeable, you know. Yeah. They're very likeable. They are likeable, but there's it's, it's more than just being likeable. I think they... Uh, whatever your thoughts of the Obamas are, are trying to make an effort to give back to the world somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, some will see as admirable. Some will see as them cashing cashing in on their on their name and their clout. Obviously, Michelle brought out Becoming and did her uh, her book tour, um, and now this. So, yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see some of those things in there for sure. I think will be um, definitely worth a watch. Cool, cool, cool. The world of music gonna yes. through this. So this the notes I made actually now like in the past tense. So Stormzy came out with a new song Vossy Bop, and it was in a battle to uh go to number one. It I say it was in a battle because today it's been revealed that Stormzy won that battle. So oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it literally just came out in the last like few hours, I think. So Vossy Bop him. is number one. Um, it broke a record. Now, let me read this so that I can get the factuals right. Uh, with uh, 94,495 combined sales, Vossibot makes it uh, makes it the biggest 
week uh, week one day before British artist since Ed Sheeran's Shape of You. Oh, wow. 12.7 million streams makes it the biggest week of streams ever oh, wow. in the UK for a rapper surpassing the previous record set by Aubrey Graham's In My Feelings. So that's huge for a UK rapper to defeat Drake in the number one um number one streamed rap tune in a week. Um yeah. So big up Stormzy. Personally, look, I'll be real. I I for me the song's a bit meh. Um it's not even my top 10 songs by Stormzy. Not even like so, I wrote, Stormzy has 10 songs that are better than Vossy Bob. Yeah. Really? Stormzy's got you can 10 really songs. Te- you can really tell. <laughs> Stormzy's got 10 songs that are way better than... I don't know. I mean, what what what, what are I guess feeling about um, Vossy Bob? You, you I heard, heard it? it a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wouldn't be able to pick it. I it's all right. It. It's, I wouldn't yeah. be like, yeah. It's all right. It's a tune. It's all right, it's, isn't it? It's all right. Like I, I'm not trying to say it's crap, mm. but I feel like it's, it's, it's coming at the right time, just mm. in time for summer. Um, mm. but, Is that a summer tune? Yeah, it's definitely a summer tune. You've yeah. seen the video? No. I've seen I'm not even, video. I'm not even I'm not even that interested in it. Like the, the Stormzy that came out out with Gang Signs and Prayer mm. is the Stormzy I've become accustomed to. Like I listened to the album, I banged it out, I went to the show. Um that was he's become album. yeah, he's increasingly become this kind of vocal, I don't want to say politicized figure, but he's become vocal mm. about issues that are happening in this country. So that guy who I've kind of had this image of now uh, and these expectations of bringing out Vossi. But listen, do your thing, get your coin. Obviously, he's got the number one. He's breaking records. To break records of Drake and Ooh. Ed Sheeran is no that's joke that's out here. Big. Do you know what I mean? And he's grabbed the ear of the British people. So, you know what I mean? More love to him, innit? Good, well done. Mm. A young black boy making money out of here. I'm never mm. going to never gonna be against that. Mm. So the tune's a bit meh for me. It's not meh, it's just... Just, if it was if it was not Stormzy, I'd be like, okay, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I, I hope the rest of the content he's bringing out for this summer's is uh, yeah, better than that. Um, quick album review. Uh, Kana uh dropped his second album uh, uh two weeks ago, I believe it was not waving but drowning. So the South London rapper dropped his second album nineteenth of April. There we go. Um, for those people who have never heard him before, studio, have you heard Lowkana before? So he's a, uh, the way I describe him is he's super mellow. Um, his lyrics are very kind of laid back, introspective, um, poetic, like very poetic. He's one of those rappers who I say, I would happily read his lyrics um, or read his songs in uh, without music and like read them as poems and like reflect on them and study them and all kind of stuff. I would say if you're fans of guys like Most Def, Talib Kweli, Common, you'd very much love him. Also, if you're fans of uh, Tom Mish, who regular listeners will know, he made my album and track of 2018. Uh, and Jordan Rake, I believe that's how his name's pronounced, even though I listen to him a lot. Uh, you'll be big fans of this album because he's regular collaborators with them and they have a very similar flow to what he does and produce quite a lot of his work. For me, I would say it's a uh, it's a mellow masterpiece. Um, I love artists who, when they make an album, they make something that's true to themselves as you can recognise that this is the work they're doing, not, oh, uh, it's come to the album, especially rappers. I feel like, especially rappers. And on this show, I've had this criticism of some UK rappers who are like, when it comes to making an album, they'll make something that 
is trying a bit to pander to what is kind of popping in in the scene at the time rather than what gathered them that fan base um so yeah if you're a fan of 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 rap of uk quote unquote urban music but you want something a bit different to the afro swing grime and drill wave particularly the afro swing and drill wave is like real huge and probably gonna be huge over the summer this is definitely something to check out my personal top tracks angel featuring tom mish i mentioned loose ends featuring georgia smith incredible track uh and crispy um my only criticism would be um and it wouldn't really apply to anyone in this room if you already were a fan of him already familiar with his music, particularly his first album from 2017. Um, Production style and his um, lyrical delivery hasn't really changed too much. So you still get the mellow boom bap 90s New York hip hop beats. You still get the piano um, melodies in the background. So he's... Lyrically, he's, he's, he's changed in terms of he's very introspective. So he's talking about where he is at this point in his life, which is very different to where he was in 2017. Like his 2017 album was very much about his stepfather dying. That was the tone that was set. And this album is very much about where he is now, which is not there. Like it's not really, it's, there's a different, um, which I don't want to spoil if anyone will listen to it, but there's a different event in his life that kind of wraps the album up. So um, he's evolved in that way, but he's you're not going to hear a different start sounding artist, which is why it would have been a five-star album had he done something different on the production side, but he didn't. So it's only four. Still great. Like I said, a mellow masterpiece that is Loyal Karner's, um Not Waving, But Drowning. What's the name again? Loyal Karner. Yeah. Not Waving, But Drowning. That's the album. Definitely worth a listen. Uh, last, super, super quick thing uh, in music. Did you see Taylor Swift's uh, Billboard Music Awards performance? Or I saw, I saw the hullabaloo around it? I saw the hullabaloo and the, the the picture of it. So here's my question. Yeah, or Do you guys know what we're talking about? Okay, no. so the Billboard <laughs> Music Awards. We've spoken a lot about awards in the show. So the Billboard Music Awards Yo. were this week in the United States. Okay. We're not going to go through who, but we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. Um, uh-huh. But basically, Taylor Swift did a performance with, uh, you know, those drumming bands that they have a lot of in America? Drum a lot of marching. Yeah, marching. the marching bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did a performance with like a marching band, basically, which was very reminiscent or just, to a lot of people, I guess, of Beyonce's- uh, Homecoming. Yeah. And uh, particularly her Coachella performance. So uh, Black Toot has been going mad. They've been saying stuff like, what have I seen? I've seen Mayo Chilla. Um, <laughs> what's the one, one funny one that got buried tweets? Um, it's, you know, instead of get, uh, let's get information, let's make this Caucasian. <laughs> Stop yeah, it, and obviously with the with the funny hot takes, there's obviously the think pieces that come out and all the stuff. Oh, we love that. So here's the question: Is that all? Is that justified, or is it just a whole bunch of hullabaloo? Because at the end of the day, marching bands in the United States is a thing. It's huge, Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I have seen it used in. All type of content. I'm arresting. I've seen it used at WrestleMania, fam. Do you know what I mean? Way before John Cena used uh, marching band before Beyonce. So very like, true. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it is it that or, or or is it the fact that this is a female artist, a black female artist who's used it, and now a white female artist is trying to jump on the 
Like, I don't, I don't know. Was it like stylistically the same? Or was yes. it just... I mean, it, it, was, was stylistic, it was stylistically yeah. the same. But also, obviously, if you're a female artist and you have a marching band, how is it not going to look stylistically the same? Do you know what I mean? I'm just playing devil's advocate here because yeah, no, I, I don't really don't. know my personal view on it at the moment. And to be honest with you, like, you know, like you said, you know, loads of places, like other places use marching bands. Mm. You know what I mean? They What's the, what's the quote? Um, what is it? Oh shit, it will come to my head. But not everything is original. So yeah. mm. we can't be mad. Yeah, we can be mad because obviously some people can be mad and some people can't be mad. Well, some people are hella mad. Like, yeah. let's be real. Some people are hella mad. But I think it's because of the fact that it's plain to see <laughs> Taylor Swift. Mm. It's like, sis, you didn't even let it rest for like mm-hmm. two years. Mm-hmm. You literally mm-hmm. come out. And you know, everyone is still bubbling about Homecoming and the fact that it's on Netflix. People are still watching it. People watched it 10 times. It's, it's literally been cemented in people's brains. So my girl comes out in the Billboard Awards and mm. she's like, hello. And it's just said, like, hold on, wait a minute, sis. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that that's the reason why. I think if she did it like in, like, in two years time, people mm. were like, yeah, that looks... That looks vaguely the same, familiar. Vague, vaguely familiar. Mm. But it's just the fact that she didn't let the dust settle. Mm. And if that's her way of making a comeback, it's it's really I think it's poor in a sense that she's trying to make a comeback copying somebody else. Well, here's the question now. Is she copying someone else or is it bad timing? Because well, mm. as we record now, um, Homecoming came out what, a week ago? More than that. Two weeks two ago. Weeks ago. Yeah, two yeah. weeks ago, right? So Obviously, the Coachella performance was what two years ago. No, it was last year. It was last year. Yeah, right. So it was last year, but it's become, uh, it's all come out again because of the documentary that came mm-hmm. out two weeks ago. So, has she planned this performance in the last two weeks? Because I saw someone else say that um, they don't believe. Well, it's a black woman. They don't believe that Taylor Swift is trying to copy Beyonce. But from when she saw, um, Homecoming come out or when she was aware of homecoming she should have changed up the performance absolutely you have the money you have the facilities to do so but it's also but then the flip side like i said the flip side is the performance is based around a staple of american kind of musical pageantry and life like beyonce did not invent marching bands absolutely yeah so I, I think we can all agree with that. But well, listen, the listen. Hmm, the high voting agree with that. I'll tell you that for free. So I think we can just agree on the sense that it, it's just the timing is just completely off. Yeah. Whether or not you know that she might have had the idea just before Homecoming came out on Netflix, you know, you have the funds, you have the money to be like she could have, she could have. You know what this. Could potentially go down a route where ooh, might be problematic mm. and might be getting the hive, and you know that you don't want to mess with the even, hive. Even 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 if just for herself and it, self preservation, and not she's had a lot of drama yeah. in her career. Mm-hmm. Some of it uh, was quite frankly un, unwarranted. Like you know, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I'm not trying to cape for her, but some of the shit was a bit like okay, like she's just become a bit of a figure of ire of a lot of people. So she could have saved herself that. True. And when you're in shit with one specific community over and over again, mm-hmm. whether it's your fault or not your fault, it kind of becomes, you sort of make yourself the, what's the word, the common denominator. Mm-hmm. So that's that, maybe that's my view, that she didn't have to make herself the common denominator and put herself in it again. Yeah. But hey-ho, 
That's very true. Uh, theatre, before we... I'm just going to do the one because... Yeah, yeah. Time, time is of the essence. It's very much of the essence. Um, so the Royal Court um, announced their new season. And let's just say it's full of new writers or writers. And I'm here for it. I'm here for the fact that, you know, writers were looking at shows that are based solely on kind of like new writing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So they announced also two schemes for writers, including a long year, a year long placement at the venue, the Lynn Galino butchered um, writers award has been named after the former head of the Royal court's young, um, the head, the former head of the Royal Court's young court who died suddenly in summer 2016. Um, it will support a young writer between the ages of 18 to 25 to undertake a writing assignment and create a new piece of work with the Royal Court over the course of a year. Um, so the applications for that will open in June. Um, and then also the theatre has also announced the Royal Court and um Oberon Book um, Climate Commission, which will be an environmental initiative in playwriting and further kind of like information will be revealed on that. But both kind of initiatives have been announced alongside their new season. So the new season, um, Autumn Winter um, is, I've got a lot of names here and I'm not going to try and say all of them. So they're going to kick off in September. And they're going to kick off with the Total Immediate Collective Inimment Terrestrial Salvation Written by Tim Crotch And it will be directed by Carl James and Andy Smith Um, They've also got part of the season My Name is Why In conversations with Lemon Sese Have I said that right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Ooh, yeah. Um, which is a one-off um reading in the Gerald space, and that will be on the third of September. Um, Glass Kill Bluebird, free plays by um Carol. Carol Churchill, and that will be directed by James McDonald. A history of water in the Middle East, written and performed by Sabrina Mousevall. Oh, Mafuz. Thank you. See, even, see? even even a guess that I hear correctly But Sorry. we all know I'm infamous for butchering four years, names Four years of butchering uh, where, names Where you know um, And the list is endless One um, on Bear Ridge um, I'm going to go Midnight Movie uh, Kind of People Scenes for, for, with scenes with Girls I want to say all the names But we're going to be here forever Poet in the Corner Coming which is, back yeah Which is coming back Yeah I never saw it the first time So Yeah I'm neither try. did I I'm going to try um, and their spring and summer 2020 um, will start off with the open court, which is the climate emergency, which is the season of work all over all over the Royal Court building, curated by curated by the writers in response to the climate emergency, March 2020. And that will kick off with Shoe Lady, written by Evie Crow, um, Rare Earth. Is it Med- Meadow? Oh, words today. Red Earth Metal. Thank you. Two Palestinians go dogging. Interesting name. Um, and the list is endless. But basically, they've got a lot of writers um, putting on some shows in their spaces. So um, I think tickets for the season in the autumn winter season go on sale on the 19th of May. So if you are interested... Mm, 
seen some new writers work then by all means book your tickets yeah and i'll say this about the um the royal court stuff sells out there quick oh yeah so don't don't think yeah 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 nothing's gonna be in october do you know what i mean i can chill you cannot chill because stuff sells out there real quick is is personally one of my favorite um theaters just because they are genuinely committed to new writers uh and mm-hmm. they don't just you know talk it and they do try to tackle stuff like like climate change i think vicky featherstone the uh, artistic director there has been a, a very vocal about social issues that some would say are beyond the scope of uh, a theater artistic director and not just vocal about it but She's obviously tried to do stuff like stuff around Brexit, stuff I don't even agree with. Do you know what I mean? She's one of these second referendum heads, and uh, we've gotten press releases about how they're backing like a people's vote and whatever. And I'm like, please, like, I, <laughs> I don't agree with that, but you are kind of putting your social beliefs out there in a way that a lot of places won't. And for somewhere that's based in flipping Kensington and Chelsea, it is, um, yeah, it's a big move. So I got a lot of love and respect for the court. Um, so yeah, we, we we turn our heads, you guys, to our <laughs> guests, sisters. Yes. <laughs> so uh, they introduced themselves earlier, but I uh, will speak a bit about why they are here. So they um are the writer and director of Revealed, an acclaimed hard hitting play ex- exploring three generations of blackmail anger. Uh, you guys secured uh, arts funding um funding by the Arts Council, um and played at the Mac, is it pronounced Mac? Yeah, yeah. It's pronounced Mac, yeah? Yeah, or Midlands Arts Centre. Oh, is that what it They like to be called the Midlands Arts Centre now, so... Oh, they changed back to that? Mm. Okay, they've got to do that for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, like, I saw, I've seen it so many times, obviously, yeah. meaning in the theatre world, but I yeah. never it was Mac or MAC, but mm-hmm. like, it's the Midlands Arts Centre, so that's what it stands for. Um, and you played in uh, in April, is that correct? Or is that when you got yeah. the funding? No, no, that's that was the show. Oh, that was the show yeah. that I played in April. So... Um, rather than me reading uh, the blurb of your show and the press release, why don't you tell us uh, about Revealed and we'll just have a quick talk about the themes of the show uh, and you guys' journey into into making it. I'll let you kick off, don't you? Yeah, yes. Your baby, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm the writer of Revealed and it kind of, it was birthed in 2017 really when um, someone called Sandra Griffiths, um, she's the director of Red Earth Collective, and uh, a program called Menelugs, which is looking to explore masculinity and mental health within the black community through the creative arts. And she came to me um, back end of 2017, says, I've got an idea. Menelugs is a notion of black men talking. So she goes, Dan, go away and try and have an um, understanding of what you want to write about black masculinity. So I went away for a week. I was off of a slip disc in my back from work. So I had a week just to, to write and... Revealed was birthed and um, we got our cast together and we put it on in 2018, February um, the 8th and we had a sellout show and it was amazing and we went to the arts council and look, we've written a show, it's powerful, the people want it, it's important, it's urgent, I feel, so if you can, can we have some money to research and develop it? I said, yeah, here you go, here's some money, got our team together, that's when I met the awesome Jay, got him on board. And yeah, we went on a, a whole journey of development, really. And in a nutshell, revealed is um, there's been a death in police custody. Um, someone's being killed and the whole of the UK are rioting. And the drama takes place in a Caribbean restaurant, smack bang in the middle of um, an inner city area in Birmingham, Handworth, Soho Road. 
and we find ourselves trapped in this restaurant and you got the granddad, the son and the grandson. And really it's an unraveling of emotions. Um, it's like unraveling our feelings and thoughts that these three men go, go through and there's revelations that happen. Um, but yeah, it's a hard hitting piece. And I just wanted to really unpick what it means to be a man, not only a man, a black man, looking at identity, looking at mental health and how that's all shaped and constructed when we're living in Britain. And if we had a right as a backdrop, what would that do for these three generations in this room that are at war? And then the whole notion of what black men feel and think, but don't often say. Mm. So that was the kind of the notions and the, the themes we were dealing with. And yeah, got Jay on board for two weeks. We rehearsed it and I hand over to Jay in terms of, yeah, what, brought you on board, man, and how the vision that you brought to it? Yeah, well, I think you talk, all the issues and things you're talking about is stuff, you know, that we've both been through, I suppose, in different ways in the life. So it's, um, yeah, drawn to the ethos of, a, you know, I'm a big believer that theatre should, can serve a purpose beyond the means of entertainment. And something like this is a big, theatre's great because you're in a room and people have to feel something. You can't, there's no barriers between you and the stage. So, it allows us to have empathy and this play really does that and um, through Daniel's writing and it allows us to kind of feel empathy for these characters and you know, everyone will connect to one of these three men, um, you know, either as brothers, uncles, granddads and you see see bits of that and it kind of allows us to reflect and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a powerful thing and it's it's something we, we explored a lot and it was, yeah, it was deep, um, really deep. We had a couple of intense couple of weeks, um, went through a lot. We had to safeguard ourselves a lot um, which is important when making this type of work as well, especially me dealing with trauma. Um, and yeah, it's it's in a, a good place now, I think, where I think so. yeah. looking to make sure, get, get it seen, I think, get people mm. in there and open up, I think more so, open up the conversation even more so and come up with solutions of how we deal with this idea of, I suppose, toxic masculinity within, and specifically within black men and the Caribbean community specifically we were talking about. Yeah, um, I definitely want to touch on the point on set of, of, of safeguarding mm. um, in a bit. But my first question, um, I guess it's to Daniel. Um, obviously, you write, you're you writing something about uh, mental health. And in the press release, I think there's one thing that jumped out to me was um, it was written uh, in response to the stat that black men are 17 times more likely to have a serious mental health condition than, than white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've... I guess oftentimes mental health is viewed as a a personal issue. If you get what I'm saying, like mm. it's it's a battle. It's framed as a battle against from one's self versus one's mind. Um, however, people choose to make sense of of that or visualize that. Mm. But you obviously set this in a kind of a social context. So I guess my question to you is, how in why why did you choose to look at mental health in a in this social context because mm. some people might not look at those events that you've described somebody dying in police custody mm-hmm. and then think yeah this is about mental health they might think this is about black black people black men mm. versus the police or this is about yeah. you know violence or this is about you know racialized britain mm-hmm. for example but obviously you brought it to mental health so why yeah, yeah, yeah. was that the decision that you made um great question and the, the death in police custody is just a backdrop. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not at the forefront of this play. The forefront is relationships between black men and I suppose most importantly, the relationships we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And hitting the issue of mental health, it has to come from a personal place because I've had my own battles with, I'd say, 
ill mental health, um, depression, anxiety, stress, anger, violence, and the way I chose to express myself um, as a black man. And it all comes, I feel, to the to the root causes of someone's upbringing. And as a black man, when you're going through these issues and you feel that you're, you can't speak to anyone and then you're feeling that being a man is not saying anything, it's about holding it in and showing everyone that I'm strong. And that's what I wanted to explore um, through this play. And it's deep because I work a lot in prisons as well. And I do a lot of theatre in prisons. I'm going to be in HMP Brixton, like a few months down the line, HMP Brom, up north, Cat A, I'm working with armed robbers, murderers. And you sit in the pen with these men, them, and you've got the nice clothes on, the trackers, the trainers, everything. When you go to a man and you're a wog, one, everything cool. Oh, nah, you know. Oh. On the outside, you look cool, like everything's together, but you're right, you're in prison, you're away for 15 years. Who are you talking to? It's like, nobody, you know, fam. So I want to explore that, what men don't often say, and it's important to put it into a context of theatre because I feel theatre can be a catalyst for change. I feel theatre can be a, um, a vehicle where people can learn, be informed, be encouraged, be uplifted and challenged as well. So going back to the question about bringing up mental health, yeah, it's important because we don't often speak about it. I didn't speak about it for a while and it's only because drama saved my life. If it wasn't for drama and theatre, I'd either be in prison or I'd either be dead or I'd be seriously mentally ill. But I feel the creative arts is a vehicle that can allow people to go, you know what, let's talk about this, create characters. Let's remove it from ourselves, but the character is a representation of what the audience might be going through. Then as a result, we can talk about it and signpost people. Mm. Um, and just to follow up on, on that same question or that same kind of line, um, when you look at your work like in mm. prisons and then couple that with your work, in drama and theatre and this play, mm. do you personally think that there is a relationship between how society, because obviously black men ending up in, you know, we're overrepresented in, in mental mm-hmm. health statistics, but also equally over, overrepresented in things like death in custody and custody in general. Um, and do you think there's a relationship between um, our, our relationship to society, particularly, particularly the criminal justice side and our, um, excessively poor mental health statistics is do you do you see any link between the two yes and my thing is these things have to be addressed from an early age Mm. because if we are overrepresented in the prison system if we are struggling mentally if we are medicating ourselves with marijuana ganja whatever if we are on the road shutting and there's no other means of getting the income but doing it illegally then the question has to go to who are raising these men? Um, the issue of fatherlessness, the issue of anger, the issue of unforgiveness, the issues that we don't really talk about. So there has to be a direct link because these men are going to the criminal justice system, but yet then they come back out and they're reoffending and they're back in. So where do we draw that line? Where's the link? Where's the, the grab? I, I call it the grabber. And it has to be from a young age. We've got to look at preventative measures. It's all good being in the pen and then resettlement and trying to be rehabilitated. Mm. But then before they get to the pen, when they're five years old, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, what are we putting into place then? Because youth can be going through depression at eight years old, nine years old, but they're not going to talk about it because they can't understand what they're going through. That's why they just close off. They see man on road. You can offer them something. Boy, let me get a quick trainers, get a quick money right here and there. 
then they're sucked into a vortex that's going to lead them inevitably down the road of prison. Mm. So again, it's preventative. How can we get them when they're young? And where are the role models? Where are the strong black men and women that can get these young people in? Because the youth clubs have gone. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Mm. yeah. The Saturday school movement, oh. that's gone a long time ago. Yeah. Education, Saturday school, yeah, remember man. that? I was literally talking about that today with one of my Saturday colleagues. Saturday school, man. Yeah, where, man. Where's the movements gone? Mm. Education. So where's that line? Where's the grabber? Who's there to do yeah. it? And I feel theatre is that place where we can bring people together, I feel. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like one, sorry, I feel like one thing that's interesting in in your answer is, I think it's it's often looked at a a cycle of, cycles of violence, cycles of poverty, cycles of imprisonment, cycles of fatherlessness. I think that's something that everybody in this room has heard of, spoken about, about black Mm. communities um, ad nauseum. But cycles, those cycles or within those cycles, cycles of ill mental health is kind of not really brought up as being part of this, you know, hellish ring of fire that not just black men, but black people uh, go through. And I think, you know, correct me if I'm putting words into your mouth, but it very much sounds like this play and that, that viewpoint is actually seeing that it's not, you know, it's not just the the crime cycles, the prison cycle, the death and custody cycle, but there's actually a mental health implication to that because actually we are human beings mm. and, you know, growing up around poverty, growing up around being viewed a certain way. Um, mm, racism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a review, pardon the pun, there's a review <laughs> that I have to make. Like I, one, I'm a black man who's gone through um, and lives with a mental health condition, but I've also kind of, uh, it's interesting you mentioned black men talking because that's the name of a workshop I ran um, around a play which had similar themes. So yeah, when we were asked to get you guys on, it was very much like in line with kind of mm. what I what I do um, in and outside of this podcast. So mm. yeah, um, I thought I should like yeah, open man. that before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I feel yeah, like yeah, I don't have any kind of like things to say because obviously it's, not to say I don't have no say on like mm. black men and conversations, but I also find it really kind of like, I think it's important that these conversations are taking place. Because if we look at 10, 10 years ago, black men weren't talking about this. And the fact that we have men here that are using, you know, theatre to do that, I think it's absolutely important. I think it's literally a starting point to have those conversations. And you, you kind of hear those voices that are slowly coming out, like saying, let's talk about our mental health. Let's talk about the things we're going through. Because, you know, I could easily say, like, I, I look... I have a father, I have a brother, you know, I think, you know, do they have those conversations? And not a lot of black men do because it's kind of like, I don't, I don't need to talk about anything because I guess they've been raised to say, look, mm. look, we don't talk about our feelings. We get on with life. We do what we need to do because we're supposed to be, and I quote men, you know, mm. men don't do that. Do you get what I'm saying? But nowadays I'm glad that these conversations are kind of taking place and stuff like that. Mm. So it's interesting because I know that you guys obviously did a show last month. Um, is it two shows? Two shows? One show? Yeah, we had two. a matinee and um, two shows performance. Last yeah, month. Yeah. So Obviously, you've been given funding, and now the next step is to tour. So, this are we touring nationally, globally? Are we coming to London? 
that's the plan, man. I mean, I feel a play like this is universal. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'd love to go, yeah, I want to take it globally. I want to talk about, I'm a black British male. Mm-hmm. So I feel it has, it's a black British story, which is important to be taken up and down the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we're evaluating, we're getting the team together and we're talking, how can we get this, not only into the theatres, you know, but I want to get into the prisons. Mm. Yeah, Because it's important so that important. men, because they can't come to the theatre, but I want to bring the theatre to them. Yeah. And Absolutely. theatre is a great, reason why I love theatre, because you can take it in, we can have theatre right here yeah, exactly. on the street, Stratford East, we can, we can have it wherever we want. Mm. So take it to a prison setting where when those guys watch the play, they're going to see the Sydneys, they're going to see the Malcolm, they're going to see the Luthers, which are the characters in the play. Mm. They're going to be able to identify and connect. So yeah, man, tour, touring is the next option. It's a must for us. Yeah, you're saying a lot of things, honestly, that are blessings to my ears because I think, and I think maybe in in, in my own work as well, like as like a mental health advocate and stuff and, and a theatre lover, there is this thing where you can often talk to, to audiences who aren't the ones who need it the most. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's be real, being, being in theatre, loving theatre, working in theatre, when we go, we know that the people generally there, even if it's, it's stuff for or about us, quote unquote, the people in there don't often, you know, look like us or come reflect from us, where yeah. we come from. They don't often mm. reflect us. Uh, the people who write about the shows or speak about the shows aren't often in a full understanding. So I love that there's a plan to take it mm-hmm. to the people that need it rather than just ex- ex- expecting them to come. Because a lot of these places aren't even like inviting to black people. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. uh, whether it's 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 explicitly or implicitly, they don't feel like spaces that uh, even <laughs> just as a, as a black man who, you know, will casually live their life the way they would, you know, that place would, would have an expectation of them that, why would you want to go somewhere that mm. makes it bait that it doesn't want you? Do you know what I mean? It's a bit mm. long. Um, but we could go down a loads of rabbit holes. Uh, I've got a question for Jay. You did mention like, like safeguarding. So when you get a script like this, when you get a, a show like this and you've got a black male cast, like you said, trauma, having mm. to go through, read, and then eventually perform stuff that would be close to maybe their personal experiences, experience of people close to them. How do you, how do you, how did you go about kind of trying to protect the well-being of, of those who were involved in the, in the production? So we, the way our work is, we had a very open space. So from even, cause we had some like initial readings and stuff and from, from the, the earliest moments, we we're very much like this, this, this space that we're in now is, I suppose it's our space, I suppose. And it's the the style of the way I like to work is it's very humanized and connected. So it's not this robotic process of we're putting on a play. It's a kind of, we're in a space and we're being creative together and trying to find kind of avenues. And I suppose us knowing that we've we built, we worked as a team because we've all, because I'm, I'm mixed race as well. So it's like we've all experienced variations of these different traumas that's the experience and it the script lends itself for us to share and share our experiences together so it became this sort of space of us understanding where those boundaries are and setting out kind of clear boundaries i think of you know if we want to share that's that's okay um but it's then what do we do with that so whether that's literally case of this has been quite deep so we need to just you know we need to stop now mm-hmm. and just leave the space I was very big on getting people out of the room mm-hmm. um just just to have a minute and to think and i suppose putting myself as that person to take those conversations so for example if something was getting 
we're talking about personal experiences and someone just needs a second, then providing that space for everyone, everyone can leave the space. But I can play that role of being in the space to have that conversation if someone needs to talk it out or needs to just just bounce and reflect. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not a counsellor or mm. I've not got those skills and that, but I'm a human being who can listen and just pose a question and allow that reflection to happen, which made our space very sort of, I suppose therapeutic in a way and cathartic, it was, wasn't it? Like, it was. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just us setting out the boundaries at the beginning mm. of of where that line is for us yeah. before it, so it doesn't get too... Um, so we don't re-traumatize ourselves. I, yeah. suppose. I guess it's 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 a term that's been banded about and in some circles been ridiculed, but it is essentially the creation of a safe space, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a term that you know, understandably, is often used um uh in for certain, like women, um, queer, non-binary people, safe spaces being necessary, but mm. uh, black men with all of our machismo and all of our bravado, mm. it's sometimes not. I guess sometimes it's not even it's, it's it's not even acceptable to think that we might need safe spaces. I mean, while we need safe spaces, it's, it's a thing that a lot of people laugh at. Or like I've seen a lot of black men like laugh of the ideas oh. of some of the groups that I mentioned, like women and binary people, queer people needing safe spaces. Like yeah, you know, it's all ridiculous and stuff. But the answer you've just given actually tells us why we need these type of spaces. These spaces where we can not just talk. Talking is often why it's why it comes down to you. Black men need a space to talk. Black men need space to talk. Actually a space to process um emotion. A space to actually not talk. Yeah. And and a, a space to get away from things. That's, that's sometimes part of the process of processing emotions. Mm. It's not just mm. talking and recounting trauma, particularly with people who may not fully understand that trauma. So I think mm. that's a beautiful um, way to create it. Um, question to 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 the both of you. Um, the word solutions was mentioned uh, at the start of the discussion, and um, I guess from the both of you, I want to uh, understand what what is your view, particularly in the context of this play and this production. How does that feed into solutions for the issues that black men face, particularly not in the particularly with mental health. Mm. Um, I have a, like a, there's a theory of change that I kind of work with yeah. just in life, in theatre, and just in general. And it's like uh, change yourself, change your mm. community, change the world. Mm. And this idea that the first change any human being can make is just it's just a mindset thing. And that is it, that's that's activism, in my opinion. If you can change a behaviour, change a perception on something, then that's that's necessarily well, it is a good thing. I think um, if it's changing for the better. And I think play a lot revealed allows allows people can take that first step to look at their own relationships in families and be like, do I need to actually just sit down with my dad, my brother, my uncle, and just say, well, well, man, like, should we just talk about some of these, these things or not talk about these things or find a way to process, I suppose, these things. So I think that's a a solution that I suppose comes out of this is giving people a means and I suppose a penny drop or, um, a kind of stimuli to go to go with to, to instigate a conversation or a space or you know a point of reflection mm, yeah and for me change and solutions are active and without giving away too much about what revealed is about mm-hmm. as a writer i wanted to present the reality of what's going on and to think about it things aren't really good at the moment in the whole landscape of 
being a black man in Britain. Whereas people are successful and people are thriving, which is good, but we don't really see that, especially in terms of the representation on the media, radio, TV, theatre, what's out there in terms of other people writing about us. You know what I'm trying to say? But in terms of us writing about where we're at, it's, it's an uncomfortable place. So going towards the issue of solutions or resolution, what I wanted to do is present where we are right now and allow the audience to go, you know what? It's not a good place, you know? So then as a creator, I go, so what's the ideal for you guys and what do you want the outcome to be? Well, it needs to be this. My man needs to go and talk to his dad or he, needs to, he shouldn't have treated his son like that or he needs to have a moment with counselling. If that's the case then, if that's the ideal in our heads and that's how you'd want it to happen, let's as a community do that then. Mm. And what's happened is the theatre has been the vehicle to present that because if we run a cycle, we're not going to get everything right. Things aren't going to just be done and like dusting yet. It's good now. We're all talking. Mental health is all good. Now there's a crisis, I feel. And if we can present that crisis and as a result of us presenting that crisis, we see where the solutions need to happen and what needs to happen for those solutions to be implemented. And that's what Reveal did. And in terms of the... the um, the Q&A after, the audience had a lot of questions. Some of them were very frustrated. Go, look, I didn't like the way it finished. I went, good. Because as a result of you not liking the way it finished, what would you want to do about it? But I wanted to do that. Well, go out there and do it then. If yeah. that's, or tell people to go on there and do what you want Malcolm, the main character, to do. Mm. And there lies the beginning of a solution, I feel. Mm. Yeah. Present, basically presenting things as they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holding, holding the mirror up to yeah. society. Mm. Um, before we like wrap up this conversation, yeah. um, I would just love to ask both of you to quickly just talk about your journey to this point, how your careers in theatre started and how you ended up um, writing and directing. Yes, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a mad one for me still. So mm. growing up was... Didn't go theatre, theatre was not for me. Mm. Simple as that. Didn't wasn't wasn't exposed to it, wasn't something that I was part of. Was this alien thing, I suppose. And then it's that story of drama teacher at school. Only te her and the PE teacher, actually, only two teachers that gave me any kind of like, you could do this, <laughs> like actually do this. Um drama was like was came therapeutic in it. So it was the only thing, but it was kind of like on the side. So then the mandem knew that I did was that that was my big thing. Do you know what I mean? So it was like you know, talking about masculinity and all this type of thing, I was a very different, toxic teenager. So mm. me doing theatre was like, do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was a very, yeah. it's a very problematic thing for me to yeah. deal with at the time. And then um, I left, I actually went out of Brum to go college to do theatre because I couldn't be in Brum and do it. And then, um, yeah, did it at college, dropped out because I wasn't about that education life then. Um, went back, did, did some more theatre at college, um, that, that was right. So I did A-levels. A-levels were too hard, man. Too academic. So I dropped out. Did B-tech. Come back. And yeah, then didn't do anything for a few years. Just worked. Used to do rigging and just grafted and like had a colourful life. Let's just say that at that time in my life. And just had money and was everything was all nice. And I just I just felt empty inside, didn't it? It was a fake human being, man. Um, and then I made like a radical decision to apply to a drama school, which was proper. For me at the time, it was radical, man. So applied to drama school, got in, and I studied community drama. So the idea of using drama beyond the means of entertainment. So not just making theatre for entertainment, but how do we use theatre as a tool? Mm. Um, and that kind of kick-started me in making theatre, I suppose. And, you know, I've done a lot of work, quite similar to Daniel, in prisons, outside of prisons, and 
working in context, using theatre in non-traditional contexts, I suppose, with young people, old people, communities, estates, like, and making theatre with people rather than actors. So I kind of come from a more, I suppose, more human side of theatre, if that is even possible, I don't know, because we're all humans, but do you, you see what I mean? So yeah, yeah. not no, working we in, I'm doing, you know, quotation marks, in industry, working yeah. like mm. on the ground with people using theatre as a, a platform, and, yeah. um, which is what I think has drawn us together and our sort of way of thinking and making theatre together, which has been quite nice. Um, and yeah, then I've, I've now started to step into more traditional mm. theatre. And it's this kind of thing of trying to bring all that sort of weight that, of the outreach kind of work into main buildings now. And how do we get those stories onto onto main house stages? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How do we make, how do we get this from outreach theatre and theatre and how does it just become theatre? Yeah. So that's my kind of goal, man, is, is that. And I'm taking steps to do that. So yeah, well, I'm moving to Bristol. So big, I think big, big. Jules and I are both happy, very happy that there's people like you trying to trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, um, yeah, yeah, let's, that's another debate, man. Don't get me started. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, and, and, I love it. <laughs> no, yeah, I think I think we're in the same boat. Where like we love it, uh, but we also like hate aspects of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I know I am for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Daniel, yourself, your your journey. Why, why, like. Like I grew up in a very strict Christian household and church was my life from when I was in my mother's womb. Um, grew up in Handworth, in Brom, you know what I mean? And I rebelled against what my parents thought was the way for me. You know what I mean, I'm a believer, I'm a man of God, I'm a man of faith. But back then it was all forced, I felt, and very religious. And I didn't, I, I didn't know who I was. Got involved in the wrong crowd, you know what I mean? Violence became very much a part of my of my expression. But from six years old, my mum took me to drama school. So I studied verse and prose and Shakespeare when I was six years old. And that kind of reigned in my creativity and it kind of started to harness a a part of me that loved to storytell, you know what I mean? And use words and colours and my body and, you know what I mean? Movement to be able to express myself differently. And that was always, that was ingrained in me from a very young age. Didn't do well at school at all. Uh, moved from Handworth all the way to Sutton Coldfield, which is a middle-class white area. So identity for me was very, very fused with everything. And I, be, I became very confused, man. Racism. I went through a lot of that when I moved. Became very angry at, at white people. Very, I was like a pit bull. Um, but then I got into drama school. Did three years. Birmingham School of Acting. After that, I got an agent. Um, I did a lot of commercial work, TV, film, theatre, radio, Shakespeare. Um, it was going well, man. I, I enjoyed, had a, it. Was, it, was, it was amazing. But then uh, there was still a void. Like, I'm doing all these things. I'm bound at the end of the day and I'm on TV. I'm making some good money. But I feel empty because where I was about 10 years ago, there's other people like that. And that's I don't feel like I'm being true to a journey that I want other people to go on. And that's when... I thought, you know what, I want to be able to use theatre to be able to give Batman and start to create stories that can emancipate. And hence why I'm here now and I'm linking with men like Jay Crutchley and I've got a production company, Rights of Passage Production, which is all about the notion of being on a journey that changes you. That's what my production company is all about, man. Creating stories that are transformative for the Mm -hmm. audience and for the artists themselves. Mm -hmm. So I don't only want the audience to be transformed as I'm creating as we get a creative team, we're being transformed. Mm. I mean, after the the the, um, the matinee show, Boy. 
I, I was in tears. It was it, it, it was a, it was now, a lot, man. I've never worked mm. on a project and felt what we felt after that. Yeah. So yeah, man, we changed the dressing room after, and all the cast, we just we just stood, mm. and we, it's quite it's an emotionally heavy play, and all yeah. the cast stood in in literally in real tears, and we just all stood in the dressing room. And when I came back in, we just oh, we yeah, just man. stood in it, and we just, just hugged. stood, man. We hugged, man. We didn't say a word. Yeah. It took us on a journey. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a little brief synopsis of Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, boy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and as we wrap up, uh, just let our listeners know where they can find you individually, where they can find information about uh, Revealed as you develop it more and how guys can book you because people need to be booking you guys yep. into mm-hmm. community spaces to do the work you do. So let the people know where they can get in touch with you guys. Just Twitter, man, at Jay Crutchley. Um, I'm soon to be resident assistant director at the tobacco factory in Bristol. So heavy, heavy. So just just drop that in there. It's official. It's been announced now. Yeah, man. Come Um, on. It was mad. Twitter blew up for like a day for me, man. I never had that. I never had that. It was madness, man. You deserve it, bro. Uh, He knows I don't like attention in this. Yeah, you love it. He's big, big, big. um, Yeah, at Joe Crutchley on Twitter, man. Um, That's it. Simple, man. Holler me. Yep, Daniel Anderson, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Rights of Passage Production. That's R-I-T-E-S. Off Passage Productions um, website is www.rop the dash that's the one in the middle I always get confused this one's the one <laughs> right in the middle not the yeah. slash it's the dash yeah yeah yeah, yeah so rop dash productions.co.uk you can catch what we're doing on that website there and that's the hat rice of patches yeah that's the thing right yeah there, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's got the full tracksuit you know got the merch it's got the full tracksuit <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on come on come on yeah, gentlemen thank you so 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 much yeah, that was thank you for having enriching us. to be honest thanks uh, for having us yeah. man appreciate the time man. No, no, no thank you for coming genuinely yeah genuinely so juliana oh is it this part this is this part i think you should kick it off Am I ready? You best be. Am I ready? Okay. Actually, do we want to do our sound waves first? Uh, or do we yeah. want to wrap up do, the show? Do, do, do I have any? I, I, to be honest, I ain't got no sound waves, to be honest. I, I... Oh, no, I didn't mean sound waves. Songs of the week. Oh, songs <laughs> of the week. Yeah. Let, do, that do you first? know what? Boom. Let's do our songs of the week first. Okay. You do yours because I need to get mine up. Okay. So my song of the week. Funny enough, I don't know how I came across this. So I, have you guys heard of Colours on YouTube? Yep. Yeah. So it's like this kind of like performance platform on YouTube and they get various different artists and they perform and they're just like oh I can see now how you came across this song yes. okay yes I'm so this it. song in particular I just came across it you know you just on YouTube and you're just looking at stuff and I was like I know of her and I was just like I need to li-. like I heard this and I was like oh I like this. this is her vibe this is a bop um so my song of the week is um Doja Cat and it's called Juicy I keep it juicy, juicy. I eat that lunch. She keep that booty, booty. She keep that plump, yeah. That natural beauty, beauty, yeah, yeah. If you could see it from the front, we tell you see it from the back, 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 juicy, back, back, yeah, back, 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 juicy, back, 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 juicy. If you could see it from the front, we tell you see you in the back, yeah. He like it thick, he like it fat, yeah. So that's my song of the week. Yeah, that's a that's I, I've seen the colors performance of that and heard the song. Do you know what? She's just a vibe. Yeah, it's a vibe. But her moo 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 song. Moo, yeah, yeah. That's we what, we that's won't talk about that one. But it's a vibe. 
But yeah, that's my song of the week. Do you know, I didn't mind Moo, you know? Like, artists having fun. Let them. No, no, every day. Um, not every day be trying to sell records. And, yeah, and, 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 and that. Can you talk for a bit? Because I need to pick this thing up. So fill, okay. fill in for me. Okay, then. Yeah, so that was my song of the week. I did have another one, but I don't think we have time. Because um, I thought it only makes sense. Like, since I'm the Soka queen, I'm always talking about Soka. Oh, and I want to play You wanted to end with a bit of yeah, Soka. I, I was like, it makes sense. But then well. I was just like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it this time. You end with a vibe. Yeah. Um, my song of the week. You know what? Uh, and it will make more sense after I I I say my my give my closing speech. <laughs> but I, I I I wanted my final song of the week to be. I don't want to say a message, but like for me, this this whole doing this podcast has been uh, an opportunity to do to be a bit brave to do something that I kind of wouldn't usually do, and I wanted a song to reflect that. Uh, and this is a song by one of my probably my favorite band of all time. They're called Incognito, um, an acid jazz group who emerged in the in the 90s in the UK acid jazz scene. Uh, and this is a song of their 1993 album called Positivity. Yeah, that's my song of the week. Yeah, yeah. If you want to listen to that, it's called Positivity by Incognito. Um, yeah, so it really is now that time. Yeah, yeah it's that ah, time. Boy, 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 boy. So I wanted to freestyle in it when it came to this bit, but I thought, you know what? <laughs> let me write this. Let me let me write something so I don't forget anything I um I, I want to say. So this is my journey to the podcast in 2016. I went to this podcasting event. Now, I, I ain't run no podcast. I've literally been on like two podcasts as a guest. So one of the podcasts I was a guest on um, invited me to this event. And that's where I met uh, Juliana and her brother, Stephen. Uh, and they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're starting this podcast called Artistic State of Mind. He's going to talk about music. She's going to talk about fear and film. I said, oh, okay. Sounds, you know what I mean? Sounds like, uh, sounds like my street. When I heard it for the first time, I thought, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, this is dope. Nobody else is talking about this type of stuff. Nobody else is putting, particularly at Black Theatre, nobody else is, is, is having this type of platform and putting Black Theatre makers on uh, a platform. One of the episodes that really got me is when you had the uh, artist director of Theatre for Hoodsy on. Mm. Yeah. Natalie Ivy. Yeah, and I was like, a black woman, a Scottish black woman out here making, making theatre, running a whole company that's just doing theatre and then you're just chatting about it. Like, yeah, it got me. So, um, when, and it made me feel like there's a space for like, I, listen, I don't write, I don't act, I don't direct, I don't produce, I don't do none of those things, but just listening to it made me feel like there's, there's a space for someone who doesn't have these quote unquote gifts to still give to the arts and still be involved in the arts um before i was here i i i was doing these long threads of like black theater uh particularly in london where to go where to see why and and kind of got a bit of a notoriety as that black theater guy and w- honestly without artistic state of mind podcast i wouldn't even have 
the confidence to do that. I wouldn't think people care. I wouldn't think there's an audience. I just thought it's my little geeky thing that me and like maybe two people I know can 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 indulge in. And once I put that stuff out there, it was clear that it definitely wasn't. So when Juliana jumped in my DMs and asked me to to be a part of the show, that it was just boom, easy yes for me. Um, and this is really me talking about what the show has meant to me. So at the start of this year, I'm not, genuinely, I'm not a big New Year's resolutions guy, but I set myself a little target. I said, I want to see six shows as a reviewer this year, yeah? To go for free, uh, to be asked for free to go and watch particularly black theatre productions uh, and six for the whole year. And because of this podcast, I hit that by like mid-March. I hit that target by mid-March. And only me and my fiance really knew or cared about this target. But it was, you know, when you have a big thing that you want to do, but you don't put it out there in the world because you think it's not a big thing. But by being here, I was able to do that. And I've worked as a press officer at a theatre. So I used to be on the other end of press nights, like giving tickets out to like the reviewers and the podcasters and the bloggers and stuff. And, you know, I had to work whilst they were sipping on free wine. And now I'm there like, yeah, you mean a free booze? What is what it is? Uh, and uh, it sounds a bit corny, but it's, that that was a, a dream come true for me. Like legitimately uh, a dream come true in my own, you know, little way. Um, so this fortnightly, usually it's fortnightly, uh, one or two hour session that we've had, particularly in the last six months, has helped me a lot uh, to deal with a lot of stress, a lot of shit that I've been having. I always had this space to run about Disney, talk about shows that I love, talk about artists who aren't making the albums that should be making and talking about theatre and having a chance to bring um, people like like Jay and Daniel and all the other guests we've had to give a platform and to feel like I'm actually uh, doing something significant in, in a space that I love with people doing things that I, I, I genuinely think are amazing. And you know what? Straight up, I'll miss it. Like, it's meant a lot to me. My space on that couch, uh, my space in the studio uh, and like my voice being out there and being able to tell people that I got a podcast. When we got put on Spotify, I'm like, God, I was... I literally sat there at my desk and I read, like, my name on Spotify. And I was like... (laughs) No, I mean, seriously, like, listen, I was born in a small town in Zambia, which, like, a country that loads of people don't even know. Like, I'm from Luancha, Zambia. Seeing my name on Spotify was just like, wow, this is a bit... This is a bit wild, you know what I mean? Like, when I was a kid running around in flip-flops, playing with my friends until like 5pm when we had to be home. This was not something I'm supposed to be doing. So it's meant a lot to me. Um, so yeah, I will I will miss it a lot. Uh, thank you to Juliana for having me. <laughs> I mean it, I do, I do mean it. Uh, thank you to all the theatres that have let me write and talk about your work. Thank you to Dorcas and Satya for stepping in and uh, co-hosting when one of us was away. Um, Thank you to Stephen for being at the helm of this whole shebang. Thank you to producer man Brent in the back, the silent voice that, you know, no producer man, no podcast. So Brent, I can't see you, but big up to you. Uh, and big up to the, um, to you guys, you guys who've listened and, you know, yeah, it's been, it's been a very, only been six months, I think six, seven months I've been here, but it's been a, a big part of my life. I'm an emotional guy, so I can be OTT with this stuff. I told you three <laughs> weeks ago, you didn't believe me, but it's true. Um, 
And yeah, it's been, it's, it's held, held a very dear space in my heart being part of this artistic state of mind family. So don't think it's just me going away and carrying on my life. I will miss it a lot. And uh, all the listeners, yeah, man, it'll be... Wow, I feel the like whole in my life. I feel like he came with like an Oscar speech. Like, come on, allow it, man. I was just trying. I was just just well, speaking from the heart. Just speaking from well, the heart. Damn. So I'm gonna make a quick call to someone before I say my own little piece. Hold on. Uh, Rah, it's working. Is that really loud? Uh you might have to turn it down when they start speaking. Hello. Hello, you're live on the podcast, bro. Hey, what's up? What's good? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, really yeah. good though, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, you obviously know I'm calling you because I obviously preempt this, so we can't even be like, surprise, what are you doing? That's, that's true. So obviously, you know, we're, reco- we're recording the last episode. Oh, by the way, guys, it's Stephen on the phone, if you didn't know. Live, live from <laughs> hey, Canada. Hey, Stephen. Live from yes, Canada. <laughs> so how are you? Yeah, yeah. I'm not bad, not bad. Mate. Okay, cool. Um, you you done in the gym? Yeah. I'm, I'm done in the gym. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So, um, yeah. obviously, before I say the final words, I wanted to see if you had some words. Obviously, you started the the ASOM, the podcast journey with, obviously, us. So, it would be great to, mm-hmm. obviously, this is the last episode, if you had any final words. Oh, man. Pressure. Right. Make um, it quick. Make it quick. Okay, I'll try to. I'll try to. Right, I just want to say, you know, thanks to everyone that's been listening so far. You know, the journey's been very long and, you know, we've, We've hopefully gained a few followers, gained a few listeners and, you know, inspired some people to, you know, if there are any people that are in the arts industry, you know, continue what they're doing. And, you know, we've recognized, I hope we've recognized a lot of people in the industry and just given them a bit more of a spotlight, which is great. And uh, yeah, it's been an incredible journey and um, thanks for listening. Oh, I like it. Short and sweet. Fantastic. So yeah. Yeah. That was all. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Stephen. I was going to say sibling chat later. <laughs> hey, maybe. Hey, oh, hey, I hey. oh, you didn't say hello yeah, to that, people. I, I, I didn't. Sorry. Okay, hey, we have two hey, guests Jomar. in the building as well. We have Jay and Daniel. How are you doing? Hey, man? hey guys. How's, how you how's doing, it going? Man? How's it going? Awesome. Oh, and Brent. Brent's like, oh, Brent. Hey, Brent. Hey, Brent. Brent's <laughs> like fine, shaking his fine. head. I, I haven't forgotten about you, Brent. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's good to chat to you. I'll probably chat to you later, innit? Okay, cool. All right, cool. But yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. And yeah, um, have a good one. Talk to you later. All right, peace. Cool. Bye. Thank you. All right. All right. I didn't even wait for him to go. Okay, so me. Whew, I'm going to make this short and quick. Um, Asom for me. Whew, I'm not going to lie. When you said, oh, yeah, you might cry. I feel, I'm like, I'm shaking in the throat. Um, so I came up with the idea of um, Asom back in early 20, 2016. And I kind of sat with my brother, Stephen, and was like, I really want to do a podcast. Um, initially, I thought he was going to be like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. Um, and I wanted to talk about the arts and specifically theatre, because at the time I was working um, at the National Theatre and I was seeing a lot of shows. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I noticed that when I was going to see these shows, I didn't necessarily see people that looked like me. And that really triggered me a lot because I was just like, what are the theatres doing to bring specifically shows that represented women like me or, you know, people of colour, specifically black people? And I didn't, the audience didn't necessarily reflect that. And I was like, oh, 
you know, I want to be able to come on, come in, into a place and speak about these things and speak about these shows and have people in the industry that are, you know, making changes and, you know, doing stuff in the scene. So the idea of ASOM began then and we initially were part of a network company, a network. Um, we decided to leave the network. Um, I think, I can't even remember, but we left <laughs> um, late. No, 2017. 20, 2016, I think it was, yeah. No, 2017. Okay. So we left them 2017 and we were initially scared because it was just like, okay, we have to do this on our own you know, how are we going to do this? But, you know, we did it. We persevered. We would come to the studio because we initially started recording once a week. And then after a while, we're like, well, this is long because we used to record in Elephant and Castle. And at the time we lived in Romford. So it was really interesting. It was an interesting journey to get there. But do you know what? Asom for me has been a place where I've been able to share my thoughts about a space that I didn't necessarily feel welcomed me or welcomed my opinion. Um, and to be able to share kind of like my thoughts and with other people that may have the same thoughts was such a wonderful kind of like feeling and to hear people's feedback and to hear people like, oh yeah, I agree with you. Oh, thanks for putting, let me know about that show. Oh, I definitely went to see it. It was really good. Or, you know, I, I wasn't too sure about the show or having those conversations that only you would see like in a newspaper or like if you're reviewing a show, you don't necessarily see people kind of like having an open conversation about a show that they've gone to see. So being able to do that in, in, in the Yaskom space has been absolutely amazing. Um, am I going to miss it? Probably. Now, not so much. <laughs> no, I love Assom. I think it's just that doing it for three years, I think at some point you kind of like are ready to close a chapter. And for me, this is a chapter of a book, a chapter that I am kind of wanting to close for now. Who knows what a year might bring, two years, who knows? I think for me now, I just really want to focus on kind of like my creativity and, you know, just getting my work out there and stuff like that, which is obviously you guys have made you all very much aware of that. Thank yous. Who? Thank you to Chama for stepping in. Because <laughs> I was just like, who am I going to like Stephen's going, he's pissed off to Canada. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was just like, someone even said to me, why don't you do the podcast alone? I said, people do not like my voice that much. I'm not going to lie to you. To sit and do a podcast on my own is impossible. Um, but like Chama said, I literally slid into his DMs because it was just like, I saw one of your Twitter friends. I was like, well, this makes sense. Like, why was I even like thinking? So I want to thank you, first of all, for kind of coming in you know, in dealing with my, you know, constant, like, we need to do the episode. Have we prepped the episode? Let's do this. And da -da 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 -da. me being my anal self. Um, thanks to, to our listeners. You guys have been amazing. Our silent listeners, people that have just been supporting us from like 2016. I really appreciate it. It's just kind of like amazing um, to see people that have kind of been with us from the beginning. Um, and finally, Brent, thank you, Brent even though he's looking at me side-eyeing me because I know I'm over time and this is the last time. So, you know, I won't be long. And um, thanks to our, our guests that have come on, you know, that have kind of shared their wisdom, you know, shared their shows, talked about everything. It's just, 
it's been an amazing like journey to see kind of like people talk about the shows and see where they are now. And yeah, who else do I want to thank? Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's all right. And I think that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. So to see Asom become, I forgot to say, so yeah, to see Asom kind of be shaped into one of Apple's editor's choice back in 2016, to also be award nominated um, and to see where we are now. We've done a lot in three years and I'm happy for the journey. And yeah, that's it. Thanks guys. That was really awkward. <laughs> but no, I've really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys have enjoyed it and enjoyed the last episode and stuff. Might not be the last time you hear from us. Who knows? No. So yeah. if the people do want to hear from us, um, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Chama underscore K and... Oh, me. Yeah. You can find me on... Where am I? Twitter. <laughs> Jules Montana 88. Um, and you can find my production company, Purple Night Cole, on Twitter as well. And the same on Instagram. So, yeah. Guys, it's been fun. My voice is shaking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could hear it, but yeah, I didn't think I was going to be that kind of person. But where can they find you guys before we go? Yep. Um, Sorry, I just kind of put you on the spot. That's cool. Um, again, um, Twitter, um, Rights of Passage Productions, Twitter as well. Um, Daniel Anderson, act, act, um, actor DJA1, and Facebook as well. And the website, Rights of Passage Productions.co.uk. I just live on Twitter, man. At Jay Crutchley, C R U T C H L E Y. Wicked. It's been fun, guys. Yes, it has. And this is where the. Their outro music plays. Yes, it is. Okay, mm. peace, y'all. Later. Bye. See you.